This week's family Bible story is a catechism story for the sacrament of the altar, the bread from heaven that fed the children of Israel in their wilderness wandering. It corresponds with the sacrament of the altar. It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. What is the benefit of this eating and drinking? These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? Certainly not just eating and drinking do these things, but the words written here given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. Whoever believes these words has exactly what they say, forgiveness of sins. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus, by your words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, you teach us to believe that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. We give thanks to you for the precious gift of your body and blood. Forgive us for taking this gift for granted, for doubting your promises, and for trusting in our own merits as we approach the altar. Give us firm faith in your words that we might know with certainty that where there is forgiveness of sins in your body and blood, that there is also life and salvation for us and for all who believe in your promises. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So the reading is from Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 15 and verse 31. Please uh, note as you tell this story to your children that this takes place after the children of Israel were redeemed from Egyptian slavery by the blood of the Passover lamb. It is the story that comes right alongside of the story of the water from the rock that gave the children of Israel drink in the wilderness. So their exodus out of Egypt led them through the wilderness of the Sinai Peninsula, across the Red Sea, into the wilderness of Midian, en route to worship the Lord at Mount Sinai. Their wilderness journey was not easy, just as our life in this world is not easy, but the Lord had redeemed them as the Lord has redeemed us. And the Lord had promised to sustain them as he promises to sustain us not only with daily bread that sustains our body and life in this temporal world, but with the spiritual food of his body and blood. So that's the background, and it's very important that for the children of Israel, the Passover lamb and the shedding of that lamb's blood constituted them as a people because it is by the blood of the Passover lamb that they were redeemed from slavery. And so as we anticipate teaching the benefits of the Lord's Supper, Jesus' body and blood, we're talking about him who is the true Passover lamb, 
whose body was offered up into the death of the cross and whose blood was shed for our forgiveness. In the catechism explanation, we emphasize this over and over and over again. Where there's forgiveness of sins, there is life and salvation. The cause of death is sin. The cause of condemnation is sin. Therefore, where there's forgiveness of sins, the result must be life and salvation. And so, the Lord's Supper connects us to the second article of the Creed, Jesus' death and resurrection. It connects us to our baptism, where we are baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection. It connects us to the resurrection of Jesus at the end of the second article and the promise of the resurrection at the end of the third article, which we confess under the work of the Holy Spirit. The Lord's Supper is therefore not only the medicine of immortality for this life, but it is a pledge to us throughout our earthly pilgrimage uh, of our own resurrection on the last day when Jesus comes again in glory. So remember, the children of Israel in their exodus out of Egypt were on their way to the promised land. They were baptized, as it were, in the Red Sea, and then they were on a wilderness pilgrimage. They received the Lord's word at Mount Sinai, which is coming after this reading of the bread from heaven and after the water from the rock. But they will be made to wander in the wilderness for 40 years before finally crossing over the Jordan River into the promised land, a picture of how our own earthly pilgrimage or sojourn from the time of our baptism will end when we cross over the River Jordan at the time of our death into the promised land to await the resurrection on the last day. And the Lord's Supper is the food that sustains us along the way in our earthly pilgrimage and which pledges to us the resurrection. So we read Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. They journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Pausing here in the reading to murmur against the Lord's prophet, the Lord's minister, who is faithful in his work, is to murmur against God. To grumble and complain against the Lord's minister is to grumble and complain against God. Verse 3, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. So pausing in the middle of verse 3, we see here the idolatry of the flesh, where the gift of the flesh pots in Egypt and the good food there became more important to them than the provider of daily bread, namely the Lord. And they look to the things of this world rather than the promise of redemption and salvation in their Lord. Resuming the reading, For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So you see the accusation directed against Moses and therefore against the Lord. You have brought us out to kill us. 
You are not caring for you, us. You are not providing for us. It goes back to the fundamental temptation that Satan delivered to Adam and Eve in the garden. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. What does it mean to walk in the Lord's law? It means first and foremost to believe him, to trust in his word, and then secondly, to lead one's life according to it. This is how God's name is hallowed among us, Lord's Prayer, first petition, and it is how his kingdom comes to us, second petition. Verse 5, And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So understand what's happening. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they were only to gather in enough for that day. But on Friday, they were to gather enough for Friday and the next day, Saturday, which was the Sabbath, for they were not to work on the Sabbath. So they were not to gather more than they needed, but only what they needed. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do not worry about what you will eat, Jesus said. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Consider the lilies of the field or the birds of the air. If God so feeds the birds and clothes the lilies, will he not much more feed and clothe you, O you of little faith? Every gift of daily bread which comes from God, is to remind us and signal to us the greater gift of the Lord's body and blood in the sacrament. So also this manna from heaven that we are about to see that the Lord provides is to remind them of the greater spiritual sustenance that he promised to give them according to his promises. Verse 6, Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your murmurings against the Lord. But what are we that you murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your murmurings which you make against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And that makes the point I raised earlier, that to murmur against the faithful minister of God, as Moses and Aaron were at this moment, was to murmur against God himself who sent them and delivered his word to them. Verse 9. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your murmurings. Now think about this. Their murmurings were rooted in doubt, unbelief, which is the heart of sin. So, I have seen your sin. I have seen your need. And now he's going to provide for them. When we think about the Lord's Supper, we don't approach the Lord's Supper as people who have no sin but rather as people who have doubts and fears and are often filled with unbelief, but we tremble and come forward confessing our sins 
to receive the Lord's body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins and to strengthen our faith in his daily sustenance of our lives. Verse 10. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. So the glory cloud, again, this is the glory cloud that led them out of Egypt, that led them through the wilderness, that hovered over the mercy seat. It was the location of Yahweh's saving presence. Verse 11, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. Quails are like a, a, a pigeon. And in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness, was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. It looked very similar to our communion wafers, frankly. Verse 15, So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Now, it is called manna. And manna means literally, what is it? And it should remind us of the Lord's Supper, the first question in the catechism, what is the sacrament of the altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. Now don't misunderstand me. This does not mean that the manna in the wilderness is the Lord's Supper. It is not. But it certainly is a sign that points forward to the Lord's Supper as Jesus taught in John chapter 6, I am the true bread which comes down from heaven. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness and died, but the bread that I shall give you will give you eternal life, and I will raise you up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, Jesus says, my blood is drink indeed. But manna means, what is it? So verse 16, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take it of those who are in his tent. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it, uh, measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. So I went ahead and read a few verses past verse 15. And now to show that the Lord provided for them and each gathered according to their need. There is the occasion, of course, when some people gathered more than they were supposed to and tried to keep it for the next day and it bred worms. So this underscores the idea that all things should be done according to the word of God. And we talk about the administration of the holy sacrament of the altar according to Christ's institution as he gave it according to his word using the elements of unleavened bread and grape wine which he used and then surrounding that with catechesis and preaching so very important for the faithful administration of the Lord's Supper.
Verse 31. And the house of Israel called its name manna, and it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. This is the word of the Lord. I've often thought that it might be interesting to develop a recipe uh, for unleavened bread that would use the spice of coriander and honey and see if one could sort of emulate uh, what it was that the manna in the wilderness actually tasted like. So what do we learn from this reading? Some central thoughts. Faced with the fear of hunger in the wilderness, the children of Israel desired to return to the life and food they enjoyed in Egypt. Number two, and that's a characteristic of our sinful flesh. Number two, the sinful flesh desires to return to the pleasures of sin and the covetous ways of unbelief. And what's interesting about covetousness, which is directly related to idolatry, is so many of the things that we covet or make idols out of are not necessarily in and of themselves evil, but they become the things that we trust in or worship more than the Lord. Number three, the Lord provided manna from heaven to sustain them on their pilgrimage that the children of Israel did not deserve. And I think it's very important, both in terms of the account of the water from the rock, or here in the account of manna in the wilderness, he provided for them not because they had no doubts, unbelief, or even false accusations leveled against him, but precisely because they did struggle with sin and unbelief. And so think of the Lord's Supper. While we absolutely are called to, to approach the Lord's altar in repentance and faith, we are also called to recognize that we do so with being troubled with sin, confessing our sin, and seeking his forgiveness in his body and blood to strengthen our faith against that sin. Number four, the Lord has given us the sacrament of the altar to sustain our faith and life in Christ throughout our earthly pilgrimage. And number five, the Lord calls us to walk by faith in his promises throughout our life because he will provide us with every temporal and spiritual blessing that we need. Let us pray. O Lord, as you provided the grumbling Israelites with manna in the wilderness that they did not deserve, provide us with your true body and blood in the Lord's Supper for the forgiveness of our sins. Bring us to repentance for murmuring against you and teach us to trust in your promises throughout our earthly pilgrimage. In your holy name we pray. Amen.